0: In the late 90s, I lived in Seattle. All right, just stop right there. I lived in Seattle in the late 90s. (laughs) Glorious. And I worked at the Seattle Art Museum. Not as a curator or a director or a display person like I'd done in the past. I actually had to humble myself, and I worked security because... (laughs) I could not sit in a cubicle anymore and sell computers. So I took this uh, minimum wage job at the Seattle Art Museum because I had to be around beautiful things. It was an incredible season in my life. And the people that I had the privilege to work with the other security guards, they were absolutely amazing. It was a mixed bag. There were starving artists, starving musicians, uh, starving regular people. It was, uh, there were a lot of uh, people from foreign countries, either foreign exchange students or immigrants. There was, there was a little bit of everybody in there. Again, mostly starving artists and musicians. And then there was also like a mix of the rental cop thing in there, too. So, fascinating group of people. One of them, well, let's start off with, one of them was this Japanese foreign exchange student. She was an incredible artist. Uh, Ironically or prophetically, her name was Mako, no joke. There was a guy that looked a lot like Landon that was trying to get into the the grunge music scene. There were artists from Mexico and South America, Asia. It was it was incredible. It basically it was a group group of misfits, and I fit right in. And so my job as the as the security person at the museum was to make sure that people weren't touching the paintings. Guess what I did when no one was looking? (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh my god, oh my gosh, can you believe this? I was was touching everything. I got in in so much trouble. There was, (laughs) okay, this was funny. There was this modern art exhibit, and literally it was like a couple of rocks and some wood, and then some vandal came in and kicked it down. And so I went in there. I started putting it back together, and I got called on the intercom. Joshua captions, you quit touching the art. I'm like, I'm fixing it. The guy knocked it over, and so they literally had to have a curator come in and arrange. I'm not joking. A rock and a block, just to make sure that it was. I had a blast. Got in trouble too. My my after training, my, my first one of my first. Uh, jobs or you know my first time I clocked in it was I had to work the night shift night shift in a museum like they turn the lights down low it's just you and another security guy in there it's kind of creepy i have a great story it's not for today maybe for halloween but i got a great story of walking the galleries at midnight during with, going through the african section Woo! My, i just got scared just now thinking about it okay so my first night, walking the galleries, the, doing the night shift, I was assigned, and I believe his name is Manuel or Miguel. I was assigned Miguel. He was, um, he was a five 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 four, normal man height, <laughs> and <laughs> and. Um, He was kind of on the rent-a-cop side of things, um, you know, skinny, and, and again, he was an immigrant. And so it gets this me and him in this big giant museum, and we kind of give it, showing me the ropes, and then walking me through. I'm supposed to turn this key at this level and all this kind of stuff. And then he says, "Yo, sway, yo, sway. I need to tell you something." I'm like, okay, what is it? He says, I kill a man. I'm like, what? He says, I kill a man. I'm like, excuse me, do you just say, do you kill the man? Yes, I kill a man. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, my God, this is kind of terrifying. I'm like, okay, he's like 5'4". I'm like, like, this is, okay. I'm like, (laughs) Miguel, I'm like, why? Why did you kill a guy? And then my mind, like, why are you telling me, this the two of us, alone in a big, giant, empty museum, why did you tell me that you just killed a man? Why did you kill a man? He's like, yes, I invited him to my house. He disrespected my authority. I killed him. True story. And so, anyway, I was just kind of, I don't know, scared. And, and it, and, He was legendary in the security guard group of people that we were a part of, and he would invite, he he, he invited people to come over to his house for parties, like cultural parties. Um, And one of my biggest regrets in my life is that I never went. But the rumors were true, because I did have some of my artsy friends that did have enough courage to go, and... You would go and you would go into the front door, and he would be sitting in a self fashioned throne that he'd painted gold. It was like a cheap plastic chair that he painted gold, and he sat there and he had black, and again, it's it's night, he had black aviator glasses and a red light on, and in order for you to come into the party, not to disrespect his authority, you must kiss his ring before you came into his house. I'm taking notes. How I'm gonna run my household from now on, <laughs> you know? Just like this is awesome. Kiss my ring. So that was one character. The other character, again, just think about Landon, but a lot smaller, and but the talented musician. So I got assigned to him a couple of weeks, a couple of days later, and I, was, I don't remember when it was. And he was a different type of a character. He was like, "Hey, bro, welcome to the team." We have a little great community of security guards, but in truth, we're all a bunch of artists, and we're just trying to make it. We just really like being around art, and but you know what? We're here. To, we're here to build a community to hang out together. So feel free to come on over to our house and hang out. And if you ever need me to cover a shift, here's my number. Just give me a call anytime, bro. We're gonna we're gonna have a great time. Welcome, welcome to the Seattle Art Museum security team. It's gonna be great. Good to have you with us. He says, "Oh yeah, and just." Um, just by the way, just form of communication. You know that Mako girl? It's like, well, her and I are kind of dating. We're kind of hanging out together. So I just want to make that clear. Okay, bro, just so you know that me and Mako are are, are going to go hang out, or we're hanging out, and just, I mean, it's not like serious. Like I'm not going to get married or anything, but, you know, we're just kind of a thing. I'm like, okay, bro. That's really good information to give me. <laughs> kind of had a thing for Japanese girls. <laughs> so um, <laughs> um, now I just have a thing for a Japanese girl that's also Sicilian. So I just have a thing for one Japanese girl. She's half Japanese. So um, incidentally and unsuccessfully, it didn't really matter what my new bro said. I, I still made a pass that this Japanese girl didn't work out. But, <laughs> but the point is like, Okay, whatever, so you're sort of hanging out. like that's fair game. All's fair and love and war. There's not a ring on it. it's, we're, it's I don't care. <laughs> so right? Okay, guys, if there ain't a ring on it, it's fair game. If you want it, go get it. In our series on going through the Bible, everything you need to know you learned in Sunday school, one of the great stories about God's people returning once again from bondage and slavery, they are coming back into the promised land that they'd once occupied. They had the promised land. Now God is, in His timing, He is sending them back into something that they'd screwed up. But God's going to restore it. God's going to bless it. He's sending them back into the land that's flowing with milk and honey. At this time, God's people have gone through two empires, the Babylonian Empire and the Persian Empire. Daniel has served a number of kings. It's now it's time to go home. God's favor is poured out on God's people a million times. And one particular Jew is raised up to a level of authority, of influence, and of power, and he has been commissioned to return home with his people to rebuild. His name is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the right-hand man of a wicked king, and yet he had the favor of this wicked king. In the courts, in Persia, In front of the king and the queen, Nehemiah has this conversation. This is Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4 through 10. The king said to me, What is it that you want, guys? What do you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. And the king answered, Excuse me. And I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, How long will your journey take? And when will you get back? If it please the king to send me, So I set a time. Maybe underline that. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters, underline letters, to the governors of trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timbers to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence that I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, let's just pause right there. Why? What's going on? The gracious hand of the Lord of God was upon Nehemiah. Was he pulling this stuff off with his own ability and his own skill? Was his education making this happen, these doors, his miraculous doors, just to supernaturally open up? Was it because he was smart and good-looking? Absolutely not. He stepped into this abundance of favor because the hand of the Lord was upon him. The king granted my requests. And so I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and I gave them the letters of the king. The king also sent armies, officers, and a cavalry with me. Did he ask for an army and a cavalry? He didn't ask for it. He just got it. Amen. And then it talks about some bad guys. The story of Nehemiah is preached in Sunday school. It is a story about Nehemiah calling families to work together to build a wall. So if you remember your Sunday school lessons, it might have involved those red bricks. And your teacher probably built the wall and you built them together. Usually when Nehemiah is brought up in big church, like we're going into a building campaign or something. Not today, don't worry. But it is a great story of how God calls and strengthens families to build and to fight. So how many people remember the story of Nehemiah and his wall? What did people have in their hands? A sword in one hand. What was in the other hand? A trowel. So this is an amazing illustration that demonstrates to us that we must be people of balance. You've got to be balanced. We know a lot of people that the only thing that they have in their hand is a sword. And whenever whenever anything goes sideways, when somebody doesn't like them or they don't agree with somebody online or if the politics aren't lining up or if there is a personal offense, the response is... I kill you, (laughs) I kill you, you die. On the other hand, some of us, all we have in our hands is a trial, we're just here, to make sure that everybody's happy. We're going to build. We're going to keep harmony. We're going to make sure that, 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 that everything is it's, it's going forward and everybody's happy and everybody's compliant. But the balanced Christian has both. The balanced Christian knows the times and the seasons, when to build and when to tear down. The balanced Christian knows that as a family, we must build together. We must be skillful on how to set the stone, how to build the structure. Balanced Christian also knows that they have to watch their back. And they always have to have their hand on their sword to make sure that they're defending their faith or defending their family, now, I need to clarify something. Christian faith, what Jesus taught, does not promote physical violence. I'm borderline pacifist. That's just how the Bible reads. This is what Jesus says: "You turn the other cheek." When Jesus said, "I am bringing a sword," he is that—that's figurative. Don't read it literal on that one. That's a figurative saying. You know, I'm bringing the sword. I'm bringing the word of God. And when the word of God is preached, it will divide people. You either, you're either in or you're out with Jesus. That's what it means about the sword. So don't read scripture the wrong way. Violence is not acceptable for the believer. I don't want to get into politics. But for you in your life, it is, it's not acceptable for you to act out violently. Now, if you flirt with my wife, we're going to fight. <laughs> right? But, you know, most likely not physically. But I have to protect my family. I have to fight for my family. Again, not with little literal swords or literal blows, but this that 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 strengthening of a man, women, you need to fight for your families too. You need to fight. We've got to dig in and fight. It is spiritual warfare, not carnal warfare. The land. The temple, the walls that Nehemiah has been commissioned to rebuild. It's a physical place. I want you to see it in your mind's eye. Yes, there is a physical Jerusalem, there's a physical land that this could easily apply to something physical, but I want you to see this as a metaphor for the condition of your souls. A lot of us have gone into a spiritual exile of sorts. And he's calling you back into the promised land. We've made some huge mistakes. We've made some huge blunders. If not checked, sin creeps in. Well, we suffer the consequences of it. It's called judgment. But God is so good. His grace is so Merciful. He pours out his mercies every single moment, every single day. He wants you to come back into the land of blessing, back into the land of milk and honey. Just because you screwed up doesn't mean that the promise is over. Yeah. And you, your family, and Nehemiah. You're going to rebuild your souls today. Your souls because of what has taken place through your own decisions, because of what's taking place in our cultural environment, what have you. You know, if the Lord would take a look at your souls, your temples are torn down and your, your marketplaces are scattered and your walls are breached. Well, this is, we're going to build our souls up today. We're going to reconstruct them. We're going to make our city holy. Your interior city is going to be strengthened today. And we're going to see how it works from the scripture that we just read. The first thing on your fill in if you want to follow along is that you need you need a proper understanding in order to rebuild your soul. You need I mean your soul like your character, your emotions, your mental state, your makeup Like being the increasing and strengthening your persona for you to be the person that God's called you to be. It's going to take something that really goes against our very core of our American culture, and that is a spiritual understanding of time. Time. America has got us all screwed up on how we view time. From birth, we have been birthed into a fast food culture. We want our food, we want it warm, we want it now. If you have to wait like five minutes at jack-in-the-box, you begin to lose it. Why? Because we've been trained that way. We want... Not only our food now, we want our products from Amazon, not just next day. Next day is passe. We want our products same day delivery. We want our products the same hour, the same moments. I want to be able to open up my mouth. I don't want to have Amazon cram a cookie in my mouth, like instantly, instant gratification. Uh, This is how we've been wired. Look, I know this to be true. Like, I got this stupid summer cold thing going on. And so I had to get antibiotics. If you've been trying to get antibiotics, you know that there's a run on it right now. There's a shortage of antibiotics. I don't know why. I just know it took three days for me to get antibiotics. I had had to sick my wife on the insurance company to to get it. She'd fight for me to get my antibiotics. It It took me three days to get it. Man, was I ticked off. I was so mad. took too long. got better things to do. Antibiotics shouldn't take that long. And you turn on the news? They have brothers and sisters in Afghanistan that probably never even seen an antibiotic. Most of the known world, they don't have access to antibiotics or medications or painkillers or any of the... Western wonders that we have today that we take advantage of and we lose our stuff and we don't get it fast enough. Time should not be your enemy. Here's a key. Who made time? God made time. The Lord is the master of time. Everything happens in His timing. Maybe you've heard this saying, Not my timing, but the Lord's timing. Ecclesiastes 3 1 says, There is a time for everything and what? Every season under heaven. There is a time. God has allowed the time. God is even, He's even not only the master of time, He's the master of seasons. And we're in a season. Yeah, it sucks. But guess who's the master of this season? God is the master of the season. We get see what the problem that we have with God in the area of time is that we um, we transpose our American values on the fast food culture onto God. And we expect him to answer our prayers same day, same moment. And when he doesn't, we get mad. You might not even confess it. It might not come out. Because I know that you are smart enough to not get mad at God or curse God or whatever. But I, you can see it on people, the frustration when they feel like their prayers are not answered in a timely manner. Now, God answers prayers, but he answered them according to his time, not your time. So be patient. Wait upon the Lord. He just might be teaching you something. That thing that you want that you're praying for, if you got it instantaneously, it, it might not be a blessing. It might turn into a curse. That's how these things work. But you give it the time to brew, it comes into God's timing, inside of God's timing, then it becomes a blessing. Can you see that? God gave me six million dollars right now. That would be a blessing. I'd be so good with all that money. I'd be so good with it. But my 24 year old self in 1990s Seattle, well I probably would have done some really stupid things. Let's be honest, I'd do stupid things if I had a lot of money right now too. All right. Next thing. Oh, yeah. In the, in the story that we read, it says, like, how much time is it going to take? Nehemiah is quoting time. To rebuild the landscape of Jerusalem took easily over a year that we know about scripturally. It did, it wasn't rebuilt overnight. Uh, your souls can't be rebuilt overnight barring a miraculous healing, which he does. But sometimes he just wants you to walk through it all. It could take a long time for you to rebuild your souls. It could take a long time for that anger to get out of you. It could take a long time for the disillusionment to be purged. It could take a long time to have joy as your default. So just embrace the process and embrace the time. Can God transform you instantly? Absolutely, He can. But He probably doesn't want to. He probably wants you to grow and mature. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. Any weary people in the house today? Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up, put in the time. Secondly, we see in the story of Nehemiah is that you have, you have an authority and you have a heritage. You have an authority and a heritage that you're probably not aware of nor have you even tapped into it yet. You see, when the king and the queen, when they set Nehemiah for, forth, when they ask him, what do you want? He says, I want authority. And when you ask the Lord, God, strengthen me from the inside out. God, I want to I serve you. And when the Lord responds, what, what is it that you want? Ask for authority and ask for identity. All that other stuff that you think that you want, you don't really want it. But what you do want is you want God's authority. Uh, it's all right here. And you want God's identity. You want to know who you are inside of Christ. Those are the things that you should be asking for. Because when Nehemiah asked for it, he got got letters from the king. And you have letters from the king. It's in your hands. You've got the authority of God. It's there. It's 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 at your access. You can go anywhere you want and you can walk in God's authority. Not only do you have God's authority, but you also have power. You've got the badge and you've got the gun. You've got the letters from the king and you've got the sword. You've got the authority and the means to pull it off. And then there's a hereditary thing too. God is is not necessarily building a building. He is building a people. If you step across the line of faith, here's the amazing thing about walking into God's kingdom is that race goes away. Race completely goes away when you become a Christian. Because we are, there is no male or female, Jew, nor Greek. We're all the same inside of God's eyes. The scriptures say we come, we literally become a brand new race. I love that. A new creation. A new people. All the same. First Peter 2:9 says but you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. That's identity. Not slaves. Not servants. Not peons. Not security guards. A royal priesthood. Curators, directors, princes and princesses. That's how God sees you. He sees you as His own children even pushes it to say that we get to sit at the right hand of the Father. That doesn't make any sense at all. I don't deserve that. A royal priesthood, a what? A holy nation. That's a different type of government. I love my nation. I love being American. I love it a lot. Wouldn't want to be in Afghanistan right now. I like it here. And yet... My citizenship is first and foremost, in heaven. not here, not with America. That's my second citizenship. Let's get the priorities set straight. My first citizenship is in heavenly places. Why? Because we've been called to become a holy nation. And only a holy nation and only a godly king can usher in the kingdom of heaven. No political structure made by man can do so, never has been able to do so, and never will do so. When the, when the trumpets are blown, God's kingdom comes in, led by Jesus himself and no other man. Amen? It's a holy nation. God's special possession, <clears throat> that you may declare that the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. How do you know if you're in the right kingdom or not? Well, in God's kingdom, there's light. There is no darkness. So let's just walk in the light. Scriptures say that we've been called to be children of light. Daughters of Zion. It's an amazing process. So you have authority, letters from the king, and you have a heritage A heritage that we all should tap into. Just like Nehemiah and the king and the queen, God has promised you resources when you are inside of his will. When the hand of God is upon you, you will get the resources to pull off the assignment that he's called you to do. Not only did he get letters of transit to go wherever he needed to go inside of Trans Euphrates. He also got a credit card to go to the lumber mill and buy all the stuff he needed to buy to rebuild the temple on the walls. And he did it. And you get the same thing when you begin to rebuild your soul with God first. Like physical resources. The scriptures say, if you lack anything, what you need, if you're lacking, that, that you should ask. But he says you should ask it in this way. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 says, This is what you do. You seek first the kingdom of heaven. All right? So, these are the things that you need to desire. If you are desiring Ferraris and supermodels, it's just not going to work out for you. But if you are desiring the things of heaven, charismatic gifts, signs and wonders, full blown miracles, everybody. No, this, uh, this whole thing, it's either a sham or it's built on a miracle. A miraculous lifestyle that God's called you to walk into. This is the things that need to be pulling and tugging on your hearts. Seek first, when, when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven, that means that you're, seeking, you're looking for miracles. You're on the outlook for them. You want to see people healed. You want to see people delivered. You want to see transformation. You want to speak in other languages, supernaturally. Dare I say You want to raise the dead. Literally. I got to believe the whole thing, everybody. I can't just pick and choose which ones I like. I've never raised anybody from the dead yet, but I got faith for it. That's what he says, my seeking first the kingdom. You got to go after this miraculous lifestyle. And then what's the next part? And his what? And his what? And his what? His righteousness. Right living. You got to... you get, this is what we did in James. You've got to pull your own weeds. You've got to take care of your own character. There's a lot of character flaws in, deep down inside of every single one of us that make us do things that are not godly. we got to stop it. We've got to seek first His righteousness, right living, moral, right moral behavior. Not As a Christian, you're just not allowed to, to do certain things. You give up those rights. Maybe in this country, you can do whatever the heck you want to do. It's a free country right we're pushing the boundaries on what freedom is but inside of god's free kingdom you are not free to do whatever you want because you are subservient to the king and you do what he says what does that look like practically look you got to spend time with the lord in prayer if he doesn't want you i'll leave that alone get too judgy here i don't want to get too judgy with you guys and make people mad I hear somebody. Just do it, Josh. Do it. Stir the pot. Make everybody mad. <laughs> Next one. The Christian life is meant to, to be lived expectantly. Now, although Nehemiah didn't ask for armies from a pagan king to protect him. He got him. I think he might have been expecting it. I want to encourage you, like even when you walk out the room today, you've got to be expectant for the unexpected in the Christian life. Be expectant for the unexpected. Meaning that, there's probably locked up in heaven somewhere a list of divine opportunities for you specifically, not just me, but not just for you. There's a divine opportunity that God wants you to access. It could be an open door, it could be a number of different things. This is a little different than resources. This is this is favor. This is this is walking in walking in the spirit and functioning inside of God's blessings and things that we cannot see in the the physical world. There are things that are going on behind the curtain that you don't see. You might be able to sense, you might be able to feel something in the spirit world. But there are wars raging in the spirit. Not only do you need divine appointments, i are going to do a hard turn right now. You need angel armies backing you up. Fighting battles that you have no idea are taking place. And I, and I, I want to just highlight that. Like, like you think things are bad right now maybe and maybe things aren't going the way that you planned it. Um, if you've been faithful to the Lord, I'll tell you right now, God has protected you from things that you don't know about. Why? Because you have angels assigned to you. Okay, so how do you know or not if you have angels assigned to you? Okay, it goes a lot like our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus is a person. God the Father is a person. Holy Spirit is also a person. It's not the Force, like Star Wars. It's not a magical mist. It's not an energy or a vibration you get from rubbing a crystal. He is a person. And he likes to come to church with you, wants to go to lunch with you afterwards, wants to come into your house. Now, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm around somebody... That is complaining and griping, and maybe it's a couple that are fighting all the time. You get invited over to somebody's house, and the couple is fighting and bickering and arguing all the time. It's like I don't want to, I don't want to be here. Don't want to be here. Have you ever even walked into somebody's house where it just it just kind of creeped you out? Like you don't necessarily know why, but it's like I don't want to be here. Like I just I, I just feel too much anger. I feel too much pain. I gotta go. I don't want to be here right now. You see, if I don't want to be around complaining, negative, gripey, angry, bitter, resented people, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to either. And so he can't function in that melu, inside that context. So have you ever been around people like that? It's like, I just can't do it. Yeah. The Holy Spirit says the same thing. I, I just can't do it. The other side of the coin, have you ever been around somebody, hopefully it's not me, have you ever been around somebody that is such a control freak where they have to control every social situation, every environment, every person that they're in contact with, They're working every angle, making sure their agenda is taking place. And they do it through passive-aggressive behavior. But they're always controlling, always manipulating. There's hope for you if you're a control freak. God can save you today deliver you from that evil spirit. Um, But it happens even in the context of church. It could easily be like, I'm just going to control the situation. I really don't care what the Holy Spirit's doing right now. Whatever he's doing, I don't like it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I would rather just preach my five-point sermon and move on. So, when you do these things, when you argue and bicker with people that you supposedly love, what the Scriptures say in Thessalonians is that you are grieving the Holy Spirit. You grieve His Spirit. He doesn't want to hang out with you. Likewise, if you're a control freak and you want to control everybody and you even want to control God, like you want to tell God what to do, if you're at that level, then you are quenching the Holy Spirit. You're not allowing Him to move and be free and to to be active and to activate the situation spiritually that's going around you. So, That's what's true about your relationship with Holy Spirit. And the same applies for angelic presence in your life. You need angels. I need angels. Granite Creek needs angels, so we can't offend them and we can't grieve them when you would invite them in, did you know that maybe possibly this week you were entertaining angels and you hadn't even known it? I'm hearing this a lot lately, by the way, where people are like, I had this really weird conversation with, some, with this person, this random stranger. They said this really weird, profound thing, and then they just disappeared. Like I'm hearing lots of those types of stories these days. So could it be that angels are on the move? And we need to have angel armies backing us up, fighting for us, and fighting battles we don't see or even know about. It's vitally important. Psalms 91.11 says that, For he will give you his angels' charge concerning you. It's another promise. He will give you his angels' charge concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. And again, Luke 4.10 says, for it is written that he will command his angels. So the scripture in Psalms is so important that Jesus repeats it. Yeah? So Jesus believes in angels. I think you should too. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. Amen? All right. Landon and band, why don't you guys come on up to the front. And here's what you need to know about Sunday school today. The story of Nehemiah building a wall. It said that what you need to know, your take home, is that God's calling you to live a balanced Christian life, not to one extreme or the other, not a violent lifestyle with the sword in your hand or a passive thing with a trowel in your hand. He's, he, needs you to, he needs you to step up into a higher level of protection and of building. He needs you to rebuild your soul, but he's also calling you to guard your heart. Does that make sense? You have to build your soul, but you also have to guard your heart to allow God to move in powerful ways. And know He is going to give you absolutely everything that you need to accomplish His great purpose in your life. He will give you a proper understanding of time he will give you authority to walk into spiritual places that you didn't think that you had authority to do. It's going to give you a new identity. A royal priesthood. It's going to give you like real resources when you're faithful and you're putting your faith and trust in him, when you're seeking first his kingdom. And he has promised angel armies to protect you and your family. So let's not grieve or quench them anymore. Amen? Just you stand? Let's pray. Not going to pray quite yet. Okay, sit back down. <laughs> uh, our church, like most churches, We have needs and we have financial needs, and one of the things that we did to plant seed to advance the kingdom at Granite Creek is not only an offering, but we were taking a seed offering for our outreach events. To be a light in a dark place, to give people hope, to spread the gospel through fall into Fun, the Harvest Festival to celebrate the saints on Halloween. And Living Nativity, another outreach to not only boldly declare the virgin birth and divinity of Jesus Christ in a culture that doesn't believe that stuff anymore, but to witness to people, to love on them, even when they come in and they don't even like us or like what's going on. It's an incredible tool to love and to share the gospel message. So we've been taking a second offering to finance those two outreach events because just like you, the church's money has gone down a bit too. But today, we're going to redirect our outreach offering, our outreach seed gift to the underground church in Afghanistan because, yeah, our outreach events are very important and very powerful. There's a level of uh, true persecution that our brothers and sisters are facing in Afghanistan that we can't quite understand or comprehend. The is a critical moment for us to not only pray, but to put our money where our mouths are. So I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to tangibly and physically be a blessing to the underground church in Afghanistan. And I said, let's go ahead. So there's the website. This is a ministry that I've researched. Uh, Sasha Peary, one of our elders, is involved with this ministry. And so the offering is going to go straight to them. We're not going to be the middleman in this. So if you want to give to the underground church, we're going to pass the baskets. If you want to I want to encourage you though, to write down your pledge if you want if you feel called to give and to bless our brothers and sisters, Uh, I want to encourage you just to write down, like, I pledge to give this much to this ministry. And again, we've vetted it. It's a reliable, spirit-filled, charismatic ministry that's been there for a very long time. And what this number one goal will be to get people out that our government has left behind. So where governments have failed, the church is rising up. This organization has raised over a million dollars to get people out and to save them. That's, that's the church victorious. So you are going to invite you to be a part of that victorious outreach. And it's also not only going to get people out that need to leave because their lives are in danger, but it's also going to support local pastors that chose to stay. Okay, this is, gonna, this is gonna hurt your brain. But there are pastors that had the opportunity to leave, indigenous Afghani pastors that, that had the opportunity to get on a plane, but they said, no, we're gonna stay here with our flock. We're gonna continue to meet with our people even though we could die. And here's the result. I mean, they still could die. It's just a very, it's a very realistic option. Again, this is is what's going to hurt your head. They have given Bibles to the Taliban fighters, and they are reading the scriptures with them right now. And that's got to be the condition and the attitude of our hearts. If we have brothers and sisters risking their lives to share the gospel with Taliban fighters, that, that ought to teach us something. What that teaches us is a Taliban fighter is no different than the terrorist, the apostle Paul, who murdered, tortured Christians. And yet he was saved. And these people have this type of faith that even the worst of the worst can be saved. And we have to believe that everybody. So that is where your seed gift would go today if you feel called to give. So again, the the email or the website address is right up there. Um, If you want to write a check, we'll send it to them. Uh, It is Catholic Catholic Ministries, so you write that on on the check, and we'll make sure they get it. If you want to put cash in, just designate Afghanistan on the offering envelope. But God bless you guys as you seed faith into pastors and outreach and a rescue operation inside of Afghanistan. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now once again for the Afghan church. And the persecuted church. I pray that we the yeah, like we need to intercede. We need to pray that God saves, that God protects, Hosanna. God, we need to pray that absolutely. Look, I may it just highlight how good we have things these days. So, I was thinking about it. I have been, I've had more death threats and persecution being an antique dealer than I have been a, a, an American pastor. Have nothing to complain about. And we know our brothers and sisters over there, they're not complaining. They are in the light of glory. It's a privilege for them to risk their lives and to share. So, God, the least that we can do is support them. Bless this offering. Bless Granite Creek. In your name. Sunday until the Lord directs otherwise we're going to do something that I probably thought I would never do and we're going to receive communion every Sunday and again until the Lord tells us otherwise during the benediction so if you want to get your, grab your elements if you don't have one run out to the lobby and grab one real quick and allow this to be a blessing to you today The body of Christ, which was broken for us, it symbolizes also the manna from heaven. Literal bread that fell from heaven. A resource for God's people in desert seasons. His body was broken for you. This symbolizes the resource, the provision that God has lined up for you. Receive the body of Christ. Believe in Him. Put your faith and your trust. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness. All of these things, all of the resources, the provision, the body of Christ will be added unto you as well. Receive the body. Now I, I sense that there's somebody in the room this, today that sinned. I don't know who you are. I got some good news for you, you sinner. Without the shedding of innocent blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus shed His blood for the sins that you and I committed this week. And the beautiful thing about the cup, about the new covenant, the new deal, is that it is a transformational liquid that we ingest that literally changes us from the inside out that says, that, no, you are no longer a sinner after you take part of the cup in the new covenant. You're no longer a sinner. I don't see you that way anymore. You are now a saint. So Jesus, forgive us of our sins that we committed this week. Forgive us for always referring back to our sin nature and calling ourselves sinners. But see, you have called us brother. You have called us sister. You have called us son and daughter. You have even called us saints. We get to be saints because you've washed away our sins today. Receive the new covenants, the blood of Jesus Christ. So now, may the God of peace, God Himself, sanctify you through and through, rebuilding the landscape of your scattered soul. May your whole body, soul, mind, and spirit. May they be kept blameless, getting better and better each and every day until the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has called you into your mission, into your promised land. He is faithful, 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 and he will never leave you nor forsake you. That is his promise. That is his blessing to you today. Go in the authority of the Lord. God bless you guys.